Well, good morning. So, so we start a new series today called On Mission. In this series, when, when I was planning last year, kind of the preaching calendar for this year, and we started out with the, the series we just finished, Daily Reminders, and I kind of really looked at if we actually put those daily reminders into place, if we actually did what they call us to do, then it would lead us to be on mission. It would lead us right into where this series is. It kind of picks up where we left off. And, and you know, if you think back to daily reminders, if, if you've actually put them into place, you know, the first things first, you're actually putting first things first in your life, putting God above all else, and, and actually giving gratitude to God for who He is, not just what we get, not just for what he's given us, but we, we seek him and we glorify him in what we do. And then on top of it, we, we take that time to, to serve and to encourage other people. You know, it, all of that, if we're doing all those daily reminders, it leads us right into on mission. And, and this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at four different lessons from Jesus or four different sets of scripture that really kind of teach us what it means to be on mission for him and, and, you know, doing what he calls us to do. Now, today we're going to be in a set of scripture that I honestly believe many of us, through meditating on God's word, as soon as I start to speak the scripture or I even say what the name of the scripture is, most of us know it. We know what it is. It's called the Great Commission. It's found in Matthew, the very end of the book of Matthew. And most of us know this scripture. We, we know what it says. And, and you know, oh, yes, this was the final command of Jesus. And in this commission, it's this authoritative uh, command given to us and given to the disciples. And, and one thing we know is the disciples, as much as Jesus said, hey, this is what you got to do. They took it to heart. And when he spoke it to them, he actually spoke it to us. But I think the problem is, is this great commission somewhere along the line has become the great omission. You know, and you're going to understand a whole lot of it as we go through this, see, go through today. But, but I think it's something that, unfortunately, as Christ followers, uh, we don't do it. Oh, that's someone else's job. Oh, that's the preacher's job. Oh, he, he wasn't talking to me, but yet the Great Commission is something that all of us have been commanded to do. And, and you know, I, I think what, what Jesus told this to his disciples, if you read in the book of Acts, they were actually accused of turning the world upside down. So they took it to heart and they went and they told people about Jesus. They went and they did what Jesus called them to do and they literally turned the world upside down. Well, that was then. This is now. And unfortunately, I don't, we don't see that same vigor, that same um, want to tell people or, or have and do what the Great Commission calls us to do in today's society because it's become our great omission instead of the Great Commission. And, and the whole big idea for today is this, that, that being on mission with God means following, means following Jesus' final command to us. To actually to go and to share his message. That's what every one of us, whether you're in this room or joining us for church online or even watching this video at a later time, that's what every one of us are called to do. So hopefully, as we go through this message and in the days ahead as you apply this, that hopefully this week you'll actually spend some time thanking God for what he's done for you or for us and then actually share that with somebody else. Actually, honestly, I'm going to share what God has done for me with somebody else. And some of y'all sitting there going, oh, no, pastor, don't do this to me. Well, here's the reality. I'm not going to do it to you. But if you start feeling convicted while you're in here, 
and you start feeling, oh man, I got to start doing that. Remember the song we sang, Rest on Us? Guess what? That's the Holy Spirit getting on you. It's not the pastor. I, I didn't listen to your phone calls. I'm not bugging your house. I don't have video of what you do when you're away from here. But you know who does know what you do when you're away from here? God. And so if you get convicted, that's between you and God. Don't try and hold me accountable for it. Uh, He's just going to use me as a mouthpiece. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. And hopefully y'all brought a Bible with you. So I'm encouraged you to open up to Matthew 28. We're going to be in verses 18 through 20. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. And in that Bible, you can find Matthew 28 on page 1,150. And if you would at this time, can I get everyone to all rise for the reading and the hearing of God's Word. So Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and please read it with me. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God. Praise be to God. You may be seated. So so here we got this scripture, and, and this is right before Jesus ascends into heaven. He gives this scripture, uh, and, and he goes and he tells his disciples to do this. And, and that's why it's called the Great Commission. They, had, they were commissioned to go and do what they were called to do. But man, the reality is, in today's world, how many of you have omitted this in your life? And, and you think about it, even in this whole cancel culture, if someone don't like something, they need to cancel it. Well, what they do, they omit it, they, they don't do it, they get rid of it, they stop doing it, they, they kind of put it on the back burner, you know, and, and unfortunately, I think it's a picture of the modern day church, where, where we're not actually doing what God called us to do, instead of the Great Commission, we're neglecting it, and it's become omitted in us. Here's some interesting statistics. of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. Think about that, 95%. So if you look in this room right now, only like three or four people have ever led someone to the Lord. Isn't that kind of crazy? 80% of Christians do not consistently witness for Jesus. So 80% of you don't even talk about Jesus to anybody. Only 2% are involved in evangelism, and 71% of people in the modern-day church do not even give to the church to help spread the Great Commission. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? But every one of us want to be saved, right? Man, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, Woo! I'm good. What about the other people in our lives? What about the other people in this world? Are we so happy and concerned that, man, I'm going to heaven... Too bad you're not, because that's kind of how it comes off, isn't it? Instead of doing what Jesus called us to do, instead of going and and taking this command, the Great Commission, and and applying it into our lives and going and doing it, we're kind of just self-centered. I'm happy. I'm going to heaven. Sorry. What if someone did that for you? What if whoever it was who dragged you into a church one day or wherever you accepted Jesus, whatever the circumstances were, odds are someone brought you there. What if they had the same attitude? I'm saved. Too bad for you. You're going to hell. Sorry. I'm saved, though. I'm good. Isn't that kind of crazy? But, but when you think about it, that is the modern-day church. That's what the modern-day church has turned into. We've forgotten that being a Christian is kind of this militant attitude. We're supposed to be active in our faith. We're supposed to knock down the gates of hell, not just sit passively back and do nothing. Jesus calls us to go. 
He tells us to do something, and, and, and go requires you to actually get up and move, not just hang out. It, it requires it's an action on our part, and our orders aren't just to sit and watch people know where they're going to spend eternity. Our job is to make a difference. You know, it's crazy. Even there's a lot of college campuses and school campuses, college, high school campuses, and everything else that won't allow Christian groups on the campus. Or what they'll do is they'll say, okay, well, hey, you want to come on campus, that's good. You can go ahead and use this meeting space. However, you're not allowed to evangelize to the people on the campus. So you got to sign this. You can be here. If people come to you, you can talk to them, but you cannot go out and set up anything on the campus and tell people about Jesus. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. but, but that's kind of how the world is, and, and I hate to say it, but I think if there's any organization that, that is unable to talk about Jesus or evangelize to people, I don't think Christians should be attached to it whether it's a person or a ministry, because ultimately even us, if we're not willing and able to talk to someone about Jesus or evangelize or talk about what God's done in our life to someone, are we really a Christian? Or are we just happy we're going to heaven? Well, I accepted Jesus. I hope that's good enough. I ain't done nothing since then, but I hope it's good enough. It's that reality. We, we've got to actually do what we're called to do. So that's where we're going to spend some time uh, today. And we look at this because unfortunately it's not like 20 years ago when we could go door to door. Y'all remember that day? Knock on the door. Hi, I'm Ken. Can I talk to you about Jesus? You know, it's funny because you still see it today. Let me tell you something. It, it, it's a cult, but man, Jehovah Witnesses are really good. The Mormons are really good. You see them on their bicycle with their white shirts and their ties on. I'm like, man, I'm glad I ain't got to do that. I'm glad all I had to do is accept Jesus, make him Lord of my life, and I know where I'm going. You know, uh, but I remember back in the day, Tuesday night visitation, y'all remember that? Anyone who came into church on Sunday, man, you were showing up at their door on Tuesday. Hey, you were in church this weekend. Hi, I'm so-and-so. But the reality was, remember, they used to let you come in the house? And so you could go in and you could talk to them about, hey, this is what we're doing at the church, and let me talk to you about Jesus. And, and it was really cool. When's the last time you went and knocked on someone's door unannounced? Not in today's world, right? You get shot. Exactly. You get shot. You show up at my door, banging on my door, and I'm not expecting you. Don't get stupid. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses come to my door. I'm going to go talk to them out on the front porch. I'm going to bring my Bible. We're going to have a conversation. They're going to get very frustrated with me, and they're going to leave. And then they'll never come back by again. They put that nice red X, don't go to this house. Walk across the street. Oh, that's a preacher in there. You need to go to the other side of the street. You know? But, but it, the, ultimately, we can't do that. It's kind of crazy. You can't just walk up to someone's house, walk up to a stranger's door, and actually do what we're called to do. And we're called to bring the gospel to the lost world. So how are you guys doing with that? How are you doing on the Great Commission? Is it still the Great Commission to you, or has it become the Great Omission? Have you eliminated, that, eliminated it from your Christian walk? I don't need to do that. I think it's interesting. Go and make disciples. You ever notice that discipleship is a bad word in church? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? We're going to have a discipleship class. Make sure you sign up. No one's going to sign up. Man, I don't need no discipleship class. What, are you kidding me? But yet... In order to make disciples, you've got to be a disciple, which means and teach them everything I've learned. So if you don't want to go to a discipleship class, it means you know everything, right? So is there anyone in this room that knows everything about the Bible and everything about Jesus? Really? <laughs> I like that. A smile comes up with it. Yeah, okay. I'm going to say, good, come on up here and preach. <laughs> you can come up here and preach every weekend. 
The, the reality is all of us still need to learn. And because it's the living, breathing Word of God, what you read today may be totally different tomorrow. Depend on what you're going through and how the Spirit speaks to you. So every one of us could always use more learning, more teaching, learn more about him, and then actually do what? Teach others what he's done. So I want to look at a couple different things in this Great Commission. I think the first thing, we're, we're given this mandate. Like I said, we're told to go. We're, we're, we're told to go into all the nations. We're told to, to move um, you, you think about it, go isn't sitting still, go isn't staying where you're at, and, and you can't go anywhere if you don't make that first move. It means you got to stand up, it means you got to put one foot in front of the other, and you got to make a move in order to go someplace. You know, none of us can go and not move, correct? You've got to move, so, so it requires that action of actually going, and that's our mandate, to go. And I think as we go and as we talk to people and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think we do it two different ways. First, I think we can do it with our lifestyle, how we live our life, the way that people see us, or how we portray ourselves to others. In Matthew chapter 5, you know, we, we all know we're the salt and the light. And you think about that, that salt, if we're salty in front of people, it, it makes them hunger or thirst for what we have. And they start seeing this life and they're like, man, I don't know what it is about that life, man. Valerie's got this life and I'm thirsting for what Valerie's life is like. I need to find out what it's like. And at the same time, not only thirsting for it, but, but maybe our life is like this spotlight on Jesus. And as people see it, man, they're thirsting, they're hungry for, for what we have because our conversation is, is pleasant to them. And then that our life is shining a light on Jesus instead of ourselves. That's what we're called to do. So the way that we live our life, if, if we're, we're salty in this world and not salty as in over-salted, because you all know what over-salted tastes like, right? Makes you want to spit it out. But have enough saltiness to give it that flavor that they want to know what it's about and, and that our life shines on Jesus. It shines on Jesus instead of ourselves. So how we live our life is one way, and the other way is with our lips. In order to teach, you need to speak. So you need to move your lips. If you're going to teach them everything I have taught you, then that means we need to actually be vocal and actually use words, yes, use words to speak truth. So I, it works both ways. Uh, even in Mark 16, 15, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And that word preach is kind of like a, a king's herald going out into the streets and the highways and the byways and, and announcing the coming of the king or whatever the order is from the king. That's the same thing we're called to do. Now, I'm not telling you to go stand on a street corner and scream, Jesus crucified, but you can have those conversations with people in your life. You can have those conversations with family members or friends and, and loved ones and co-workers. But we need to be active. And, and that whole, you think about preaching, it, it, it's, when it says preach, it's present tense, which means we should be doing it now. It's not past tense like we used to do it. it it's active. It, we should be doing it. We need to be moving forward. Um, and actually doing what it's a command that Jesus called us to do. So if we're going to be obedient, we're putting first things first, and we're allowing Jesus to, to be the Lord of our life, then we should do what he calls us to do. And he tells us to go. He tells us to go. He tells us to teach and to preach and everything that he has called us to do. And here's the reality. I honestly think that there's two different ways that, that our life show if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I think one of them is, you know, like I've said before, when we first accepted Jesus, we're on fire for the Lord. 
and, and we're real quick to say, oh, he's my Lord and my Savior, and, and you need to know him too. Man, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you what he did in my life. And then there's others who are kind of like, yeah, I accepted the Lord. Yeah, I go to church. Which person would you rather talk to? Let me tell you about my Jesus or, yeah, I go to church occasionally. Yeah, I accepted Jesus when I was nine. Yeah, I'm going to be in heaven, but that, that's all I know. Who would you rather talk to? Think about it. But some of us, that's the life we live. And some of us, our spotlight isn't on Jesus. Our spotlight's on something about us. We're definitely not salty, or we're definitely too salty. And when people look at our life, they start saying, if that's what a Christian is, I want no part of it. And all of us know people who are like that or people who have had issues with that. If that person's a Christian, I want no part of it. Because unfortunately, some of us do a really bad job on spotlighting Jesus. So he not only gives us his command, I think we, he gives us his message, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So as we go out into the world and we tell people about Jesus, you know what our message is? The gospel. The same thing that saved you is available to save everyone in this world. It's available for everyone, and our message is exactly that. It's the gospel. It's telling the gospel, preaching the gospel to those who are around us. And I think it's, you know, in, in Romans 1.16, it reminds us, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and also to the Greek. That's the gospel. The gospel is Christ crucified. Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross. He was buried. He resurrected from the grave. And he's now at the right hand of God. And if you believe in Jesus and you make him the Lord of your life, you will be saved. That's the message. Pretty cut and clear, right? And here's the reality for you. If Jesus wanted us to just be saved, and not do anything else, the day you accepted Jesus, he'd take you to heaven. If Jesus just wanted you to worship him, the day you accepted him, he would have taken you to heaven. Now, either we weren't saved, or we were saved and he's got work for us to do. And the reason that we're still here is because, yes, we're saved. We've accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. And guess what? That means he's got work for us to do. He tells us, go, tell them, teach them everything. That's our mandate. That's our message, our message, preaching the gospel. Christ crucified is the message that we all have. But, man, we, we're afraid to say it. We're afraid to talk about it in some places. And, and, and it's clear that as a Christ follower, this is what we've been called to do. But unfortunately, I think the church has kind of become that, especially the American church, has become that lukewarm church you see in Revelation. You're not hot or cold. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. That's pretty sad to hear, isn't it? You're not hot or cold, you're lukewarm. How many people in this room consider themselves lukewarm? Now, you may not raise your hand, but the reality is probably a lot of us. Some of us are really hot. Some are really, really cold. And I mean like frozen cold. But most are lukewarm. We're somewhere in the middle. Yeah, we've accepted Jesus. Yeah, we go to church on Sunday. Yeah, we read the Bible occasionally. And, and you know, we pray when we get up in the morning. And, and so we kind of check things off our list. But that's as far as it goes. So we're kind of this lukewarm, we're not on fire for the Lord, but, but we're not distant from him, we're kind of in the middle. That's the same lukewarmness that Jesus talks about in Revelation. That he talks about the church, and that he will vomit them out of their mouth. I don't want to be vomit for anybody. 
I would rather be on fire all the time. And, and here's the thing, you know you're on fire, you know you're doing what God called you to do when you get spiritual attacks, when, when, when everything you seem to do, man, is just hard work because someone's attacking, Satan's attacking, he's got his minions out there knocking pallet boards off the wall, whatever it may be. <laughs> Sorry. But, but, and then we allow those attacks to stop us from doing what God called us to do. We're supposed to knock down the gates of hell. We're not supposed to be shy. We're not supposed to be timid. For, for the guys who went through a FX3 challenge, they'll tell you we are warriors for Christ. When we get up every day and we put on the full armor of God, we are preparing for battle. There is battle every single day in our life. The question is, how, strong, how much of a battle do you fight? And I'm going to tell you, honestly, if you don't fight a battle on a daily basis, you're probably not doing what Jesus called you to do. Instead of doing the Great Commission, you're living out that great omission. And Satan's not worried about you. But if you're doing what God called you to do, trust me, you will get attacked. You will get those spiritual attacks. And so we need to be obedient to what we're called to do. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 say, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. How many people in here believe that? Everyone believes it, right? Guess what? That's our message. That's what we're called to go tell people about. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Especially because we all believe it, right? So if you believe it, it's easy to talk about it. That's our message. That's what we're called to do in everything we, we do. We're called to be on mission, go to all the nations. In Mark 16, 15, go into the world, preach the gospel to all of creation. Clearly, we have a mission to touch every person in the world. Think about that. Our job is to preach the gospel to the entire world, to all of creation. Now, here's the reality you're probably not going to get a chance to talk to the whole world and talk to every nation. But every one of us has a world that we live in. So that world that you live in, that nation that you live in, you can actually be a witness there and do what it calls you to think of it this way. That's your Jerusalem. So your Jerusalem is, is the place where you live, the place where you work. That's your Jerusalem. That's where your mission field starts. Whoever is in front of you is your mission. Especially if they don't know Jesus, then it's your mission to talk and do exactly what Jesus calls us to do. To go make disciples, teaching them everything I have taught you. So, so that's our mission field. We got this divine message that we have. We, we have this mission that we've got to go on. And that's the mission for each and every one of us. Now, what I really like is the fact that we've got a mentor that's going to be there with us. We've got someone who's going to be on our side. Jesus tells you, surely I am with you always. So we got the presence of Christ with us. And as it says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when this Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Think about that. Jesus is with you. When you go to have that conversation with someone, Jesus is with you. When you don't have the right words to say, the Spirit will give you what words to say. You're able to move forward and say, well, you know what, Pastor? I ain't got this really great testimony. You know, I, I grew up in church. I accepted Jesus when I was nine years old. Uh, I've been married since I was 18, and all of my kids go to church. All my kids are saved, and I really don't have this good story. Believe it or not, 
that testimony is strong. You may not think it's strong, but the reality of if you started and you always went to church, accepted Jesus at nine years old, continued through your life, went through high school, maybe college, working a career, been married since you were 18 years old, all of your kids have gone to church, have accepted Jesus and continue to go on, that is a better story than most people have to tell. The problem is we don't think so because we assume, oh, well, I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't this. I wasn't that. And, and, and I didn't meet Jesus when I was at rock bottom. And, and so I don't have this glorious story that sounds so good. If you've been married for a long, long time, if your kids are involved in church, if you've accepted Jesus as a child and you made it through high school and college and you're still following Jesus, guess what? You have a story. It doesn't always have to be, I was broke and down on my knees and I had nothing left and I was ready to commit suicide and I was this, I was that. I accepted Jesus and I've walked with the Lord my entire life. That's a testimony. In today's world, if you can say that, you've done a lot. And people will understand that story. The realization is God's going to bring people into your life that your testimony fits. You will absolutely be amazed at the amount of people who come up to you who when you start to talk and you're that salt and you're that light into the world, the people that will come into your life that, man, their story is your story. And all of a sudden you're like, man, How'd this person end up in front of me? But God. God arranged it for that person to talk to you because your conversation, what he has taught you through your life, is now going to be able to help somebody else. But man, we go, oh, I don't have a testimony. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you through any conversation you ever have to do. In the book of in the book of uh, Matthew, in verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 19 through 20, it says this. But when they hand you over, don't worry about how, how or what you are to speak, for you will be given what to say at that hour, because it isn't you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father is speaking through you. Now, now realize, this is the whole conversation here, is someone was arrested because of their faith. But here's the reality. Every one of us can be arrested for our faith. Every one of us have this battle going on when we share our faith. And when we share our faith, we're being judged by the person who's in front of us. We're being judged by the world that is around us. And we have to be able to stand up and speak the truth. So whenever we're in that situation, the Spirit is going to give us the words to say when to say it. Because every one of us is on trial when we speak about Jesus. We're on trial because the world is against what we preach, what we believe is so countercultural that every one of us is on trial. So we need the Spirit to provide us with the words and the actions to go through each and every day. We have that promise of power, all authority in heaven and on earth was given to him. We receive the Holy Spirit to be able to spread this gospel message. Our witness is who we are. The life that you've lived, the things that you have done, both the things right and wrong. And all of us can think, man, we can think of all the wrong things we've done. Those wrong things we've done, God can use for his glory. Just like all the right things that we've done, he can use for his glory. We've got that message. We need to be obedient to, to tell it and do what we're called to do. I was reading this story, and I was like, man, this story is so true. Uh, it, it means so much. There was this dangerous seacoast. And what was happening is, is ships were coming and they were hitting the rocks and, 
and the ships kept sinking, and, and a lot of people were drowning, and they were losing their life. And so the people in this little town said, man, we need to do something. So, so they built this little, little hut that they had, and, and, and the people came together and like, hey, we need to save these people from shipwrecks. And they had one boat, and, and they would take different watches, and, and a ship were getting a, out there in the harbor or out in the rocks, and, and it would crash, and the people were going into the water. They'd get into their little lifeboat, and, and they'd get out there, and they'd save all the people, and they'd bring them back to this little shanty that they had and, and kind of nourish them and, and help them to, to revive themselves. And, and what happened was, you know, they, they started doing so well, and they got all these different volunteers that, that people came in and said, hey, you know what? We, we need this building to be bigger. So they added on to that little shanty, and they replaced the cots with actual beds, and they put this really nice furniture inside there. And then what happened is all those people who volunteered to, to go out into the ocean started hanging out together there, and they started having classes, and they started, hey, let's have some life-saving classes so we all know what to do. And so they had these classes, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden it turned out that they really didn't want to go out in the boat anymore. So they hired another company to come in and be the ones to go out into the boat, uh, out into the ocean and save the people. And, and then this one day there was this big shipwreck. and <clears throat> They went out and they, they saved all these people and they came in and, and, and they were dirty. They were nasty. Uh, some of them were smelly. You know, they were different nationalities. It just, it didn't make sense. And and so what they did is they built this shower outside, and they said, hey, before anyone comes into our nice, pristine, clean carpet and get it dirty or scratch up our furniture, they need to get cleaned outside first. So then after they clean up, then we'll bring them in. Well, well then what happened, that, you know, that whole group of people, they got together, and, and some of the people were like, man, we can't have them coming in here no more. We can't have those dirty, nasty people who aren't like us Come, come into our life-saving place. They need to just stay outside. And then the other group of the people were like, but wait, this is what we remember. Remember back when we started this and we had that little shanty in one boat and, and it was all about saving the people? So, so they end up leaving. They say, y'all lost it. And they go and they build a new shanty and they start all over again. But then the same thing happens. It grows and and then they bring in different, and it just continues to go over and over again. And then pretty soon, if you go to that seacoast, you see all kinds of life-saving stations on the seacoast. But none of them are willing to take a step outside to save someone who's outside. That's what happened to the modern-day church. We had our little shanty. We, we were all about life-saving. And then somewhere along the line, we worried about the carpet getting dirty. Or we worried about someone scratching a pew. Or we worried about, oh my God, I can't believe you changed something inside the church. And the church stopped being about life-saving and started being about a building. It started being about four walls. It started being about the people inside the building instead of the people outside the building. And that's what the modern church has turned into. Well, we need to remember why we came, why we started what we did. Why are we doing life in general? Are we doing life just so that we can go to heaven and don't worry about no one else? Or are we going to be the lifesavers? Are we going to go outside into the oceans, into the storms that are outside these walls and bring the lost, bring the hurting, bring those who are depressed? Bring people who, guess what, don't look like you, talk like you, act like you or anything else, and allow them to say, hey, I got a place for you. Man, Jesus accepted me. Come on, I, I, he'll accept you too. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about what he did for me. This was my life. This is who I was. I was messed up. I was jacked up. But man, you know what? Jesus loved me. And then one day I had this person come up, and they were willing to say, hey, man, you need to come to church. You need to meet my Jesus. Let me tell you what he did for me. He willingly went to a cross. 
He willingly died on that cross for me, was buried for three days, rose from the dead, and now sits at the right hand of heaven. Sits at the right hand of God in heaven. And all you got to do, make him the Lord of your life. Be the salt and the light of this world. And guess what, man? Let me tell you what he's done since then. Every one of us has the ability to do that. That's what each one of us is called to do. So do you still call it the great commission or are you part of the great omission? Have you omitted, oh, that's for someone else. That's for them super Christians. That's for, you know, man, I, I can't go tell someone about Jesus. What, are you kidding me, pastor? I can't do that. Uh, you, you mean I got to talk to my next door neighbor? You mean, you mean I, I, I need to not just come to church? I can't just show up for a Bible study every once in a while? I can't just check boxes? Technically, you can. But are you doing what God called you to do? Because I want to let you know, if you're checking boxes, that lukewarm church in the book of Revelation... Revelations chapter 3, go read it. That's where you're at. I don't ever want to see myself. And I pray that no one who ever is in this congregation, inside this building, uh, whether you're inside or online or whatever it may be, ever think that we should be lukewarm. We need to be on fire for Jesus the same way we were the first time we accepted Christ. And realize we're called to be on mission. We're called to go into the world. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them everything that he has taught us. And knowing that Jesus is going to be with us to the end of the age. I want to challenge you. Take that step. This week, actually do what you're called to do. Remember, being on mission for God means following Jesus' final command for us, that we will go and share his message, that we will go and preach the gospel. I want to encourage you this week, take time. Take time to really go out there, seek what God's got for you, seek what God's done in your life, and then go tell someone about it. Every one of us want to see a change in this world, right? Is anyone happy with the direction the world is going today? So what's got to change? Us. As Christ followers, we need to be different. We need to be on mission. We need to be willing to step up, need to be warriors for Jesus. And just so you know, warriors are not men only. Every woman in here, every man in here, every youth in here, every child in here can be a warrior for Christ. Are you going to be a warrior or a warrior and worry about everything? Be a warrior for Jesus this week. Take the steps you need to take. And if you want to learn, you need to learn more Get involved in a Bible study. If there's not a Bible study at a time that you can do it, hey, come and see me. Let me kind of know, hey, this is what I'd like to do. We can sit down and talk about it, and you can start another life group. Hey, guess what? We got plenty of room upstairs, and there's AC now. And the rooms are kind of, four of the rooms are cleaned out, actually. Yeah, four of the rooms are cleaned out. Hey, I'll even let you use the youth game room. You can go up there and play ping pong and talk about Jesus for an hour. You can play foosball or air hockey and play, talk about Jesus. Going to be putting a chess board up there. You can go up there and play chess and talk about Jesus. We do it on Thursday nights with the youth. We even have pizza. It's amazing what food and fellowship does, right? So bring some food and people will probably come and hang out with you. We got women's study on Sunday mornings. We still have midweek Bible study. We got, hey, you want to come and be a part of something that will shake you to the core? Tuesday night shaking prayer group. 
There is something about sitting around the table with other believers in Jesus Christ and praying out loud for every single prayer request we get. There is something powerful about it. So come out on Tuesday night. 25th, FX3 Challenge, we start up. After FX3 Challenge, you can join us on Saturday mornings for the, for the forge as we are iron, iron sharpens iron. Men sharpening other men to be who we're called to be in Christ. Get involved. Go. Stop sitting still. Go and be the change you want to see. Amen? Amen. I want to let you guys know if there's anyone here who, hey, pastor, that's good, but I haven't made Jesus my Lord and Savior yet, whether you're here in this room or joining this church online, you can do it at any time. God's word says today is the day of salvation. Guess what? You don't have to get it right. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have your act together. Jesus is going to accept you right where you were. Man, take some time to talk to the people in this room. Because you have all different. You have people who accepted Jesus as a child and have been walking with Jesus ever since. But you also got people in this room who were on the doorsteps of hell. They were so far down, they had no place to look but up. And they cried out for Jesus, and he was there for them. And you have people in between. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, don't leave today without doing it. So then you can be part of the Great Commission. You can be part of the movement of God doing what he calls us to do. And if you're trying to get it right, just remember we're all sinners. So if you're a sinner, guess what? Those of us who follow Jesus, we're sinners too. So you know different. All right, we're all sinners. We all fall short of glory of God. The difference is probably the sin in our life. All right, but God's word said that he loved us that much that he sent his son to die on a cross. And it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. And that sounds pretty simple, don't it? Like, no way, Pastor. You mean all I got to do is accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, believe that God raised him from the dead, and I get to go to heaven. Yep. It's that simple. Now, the hard part is the afterwards. After you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's where the hard part comes in because that's when you got to go and make disciples of all nations. That's when you have to actually do what he calls you to do and live the life that he requires you to, to be the salt and to be the light in this dark world, which means you've got to change. And he starts that from your heart and change you from the inside out. But don't leave here today without making Jesus the Lord of your life. And maybe you're here and you're like, man, pastor, it's been the great omission in my life. Don't leave here today omitting what God called you to do. The last command from Jesus before he ascended into heaven, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I have taught you. And lo, I will be with you always to the end of days. Be the change you want to see. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for your word. And, and Lord, we thank you for your great commission. Lord, I think so many times we just, we omit it. We omit it, we forget about it, we kind of, uh, that someone else can do that, not me. I, I can't talk to people, even though I work and, and I talk with my neighbors. And, and Lord, my prayer is that your spirit would rest on each one of us. Lord, that you would build that fire back inside of us, that we would never quench the work of your spirit that we would be on fire for you, that we would be your salt, that we would be your light in this world, Lord, that we would be so on fire for you that, that 
hell would know we're coming to tear down those gates. Lord, that every morning that our feet hit the ground, Satan would be going, oh no, they're awake. Lord, may we be warriors for you. May we stand tall. May we continue to do what you called us to do. Lord, revive our hearts to seek you and all that you want us to do. Let your spirit rest on us and in us, Lord, and then just, Lord, set us ablaze for you that we will always teach people about you and what you've done for us. And Lord, make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.